Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Brendan Barrett, a top sales producer in our industry, about using direct purchase opportunities to position yourself for more competitive bidding and project partnerships. This was a really interesting episode, actually. I think a lot of times in the civil engineering world, We think about these big mega projects. We think about we have to go through these very specific bidding processes and special forms and whether it's with municipalities or private clients or whatever the case may be. But in this episode, it's like a different look at this. Brendan works with companies, CE companies, and just has done his own work himself on these direct purchase opportunities. And he's going to explain what they are, but they're basically, they're not going to be your mega projects. But they're going to be like these smaller opportunities that may have repeat work that you can get without having to go through an elaborate process like that. I can see this working well for smaller firms and also for firms that want to team up with other firms. Really, really interesting stuff. I'm excited to share this interview with you. Before we get into the conversation with Brendan, I want to take a moment to give you a message from our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. I have some exciting news. PPI, our exclusive exam prep podcast sponsor, is giving away $100 Amazon gift cards every month to our listeners. For more information on how to qualify, make sure to listen to my announcement later on in this episode. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so you get to know a little bit about him before we dive into our conversation. Brendan Allen Barrett is a top sales producer who has generated millions of dollars in revenue. In addition to running his own sales organization in the civil engineering and construction industry, Brendan provides coaching and consulting to sales teams and business owners. His practice focuses on identifying and prioritizing prospects that can be turned into sales quickly. In doing so, Brendan helps his clients to generate revenue and customer testimonials that fuel more scalable and less labor-intensive business development efforts for year-over-year growth. Brendan and his blog, www.startinphoenix.com, that's startinphx.com, are dedicated to the mission of career and business success without student debt. All right, now it's time to jump into today's civil engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week. And today's conversation is with Brendan Barrett. Brendan, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for having me. All right, Brendan. So we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic today, direct purchasing, which we haven't talked about yet on the Civil Engineering Podcast. But before we dive into this topic... Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into sales? I've been doing sales probably since I was a little kid hustling for lawn mowing gigs to pay wrestling camps and stuff as a kid. From there, you know, I got into college. I was studying econ, but realized I didn't want a master's degree or to pursue a master's degree immediately after my bachelor's. So I pivoted to communications. 
got a degree in public relations or emphasis in public relations, degree in communications, and realized that I should probably be learning how to sell if I want to start my own business someday. Through that, everything from retail sales on commission to I work with student painters for a while running a branch of their business for a summer doing exterior painting for folks. And then when I graduated college, I moved from Southern Wisconsin to Southern California and kind of expecting to get into the communications and PR field. I found myself overqualified (laughs) for a lot of the openings that were available to me and landed in outside sales for a company that lifted and leveled structures and roadways that were sinking into the ground. And I guess, so that's what broke you into this civil industry? Absolutely. When I got into really foundation repair was kind of how people lumped us in, even though we weren't doing much repair of foundation and concrete structural repair. We were dealing with the soil issues and then lifting the structures so that they were back to their intended elevation. I started in residential market in Los Angeles, which is a terrible market to be in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody was upside down in their houses. And if it was broken, they couldn't afford to fix it. And so that really got me to broaden my sights on the civil part of the construction industry and educating engineers, everybody from general civil to structural geotechnical folks on who we were, what technologies we used and when and where you know, they were appropriate fit for the clients that were coming to them with really expensive, troublesome problems to pavement settlement, building settlement, trench failures, and it's kind of grown from there. Well, that's great. And I think that's a perfect fit for what we're doing here on the podcast. We've been doing some work lately focused on helping civil engineers become seller doers, the ability to sell and do engineering. And I think the only way that civil engineers can sell most time is to learn from someone like yourself, someone with a lot of sales expertise. So it'll be great to dive into this topic. So we're going to focus today on this idea of direct purchasing and direct purchase opportunities. So before we even dive into the four topics that we're going to focus on, Brendan, why don't you just define kind of direct purchasing, just give our listeners a little bit of insight as to what it is for those that aren't familiar with it. So compared to the bid process that a lot of folks are very familiar with, direct purchasing is almost old school business is the way that I think of it. A lot of public agencies and even larger organizations that are into private development have a direct purchase limit. So up to a certain amount of dollars, somebody can cut a PO without having to go through a more formal bid process, getting a minimum number of bidders, putting together bid documents so everybody's quoting apples to apples. It's typically smaller projects, but there's less red tape to go through. So I see it as a huge opportunity for folks who are starting brand new firms and don't have a lot of past client experience or track record to build off of or folks who are just getting into business development as part of their track towards principle of their firm someday. Again, a lot of less red tape and oftentimes more opportunity for consultative selling, which should be habit for consultants and design folks, but consultative selling rather than trying to be the low-cost leader in a bidding war. Absolutely. So essentially, it's like a quicker way to a sale, potentially, in that you don't have to go into a pool of competitors and bid through a process. You can go direct to the consumer. But again, it might be some smaller projects, but 
in a situation where you're starting a business and you're hungry or you're a hungry civil engineer trying to get to partner, you can string together potentially some wins using going to direct purchasers. Absolutely. Depending on what kind of firm you're in or what kind of firm you own and what kind of service you offer, if the holy grail is the $100,000 project every six months or every year or you know the $2 million project every year, these are the four-figure, five-figure projects that will keep the lights on until you land those bigger projects. They're also the stepping stones to get you into the conversation, the procurement conversation for those bigger projects, because unless you've proven yourself, you're not even invited to the table for a lot of those. All right. So Brendan's going to take us through kind of four steps here as we walk through direct purchasing. And I'll just give you the four real quick. We're going to talk about who uses direct purchasing. We'll get into the beauty or the benefits of direct purchasing, the opportunity, and then finding direct purchasers. How do you find the direct purchase opportunities? All right. So first of all, Brennan, who's using direct purchasing, public, private? Talk to us about what that looks like. So you find direct purchasing in both the public sector and the private sector. It's usually folks who are closer to the work that are executing these purchase orders. So on the agency side, it might be a supervisor of maintenance, you know, and if you're in utility design or forensics, it's the maintenance supervisor or superintendent of utility maintenance, of stormwater maintenance, or the maintenance supervisor over pavement. The private side, it's going to be guys closer to the work. They may even be a superintendent on an existing project and they've stumbled across something that they weren't expecting and they need to issue a change order. They need a solution procured very quickly and something that's going to work. It's not the city engineer typically. It can be, especially in a smaller municipality, but he may also delegate these direct purchase dealings down to someone more junior on his staff. Right. So for example, let me see if I can come up with an example and you tell me if I'm right or not. But basically, let's say that there's some kind of residential development and they're having an issue with the drainage in one portion of the site and they need to have like an engineer come in and reanalyze the drainage and maybe make some minor modifications to it. Exactly. I do a lot of work in the public sector. And so the strategies that I use for finding direct purchase opportunities and leveraging those for bigger projects is very similar to some of the job order contracts that I leverage. Sometimes it's a matter of making an existing pot of money look like a direct purchase opportunity. So if I'm working with a specialty contractor and the agency's like, oh, we got this problem, but we can't, my direct purchase limit is too low. I have an agency here near me that their direct purchase limit for streets is five grand. So they do most of their quote unquote direct purchasing through job order contracts. They have a general who has X amount of dollars allocated to them for every year for miscellaneous work that comes out throughout the year. And so by partnering with those contractors who have those existing agreements, we can help the agency value engineer some stuff that they might spend twice as much money on. It's usually a stitch in time repair or an, oh shoot, we got to get this fixed because we overlooked it or we never would have realized it until we opened up the ground and now we've opened a can of worms and we need to get this done so that the project doesn't fall behind. So let's go into the second step here we want to dive into, which is the benefits of direct purchasing. Talk to us about the benefits. 
there's a lot of people who can benefit from direct purchasing, not only the end user who has a problem that needs to be fixed yesterday, but the firm or the engineer who's just getting into growing their book of business or growing their client roster. If you don't have a lot of projects under your belt, you're probably not going to get invited to partner on large design build projects or to do $100,000 projects, million dollar contracts. The way that you build up your credibility and your working relationship with the agencies, the private developers is by doing smaller projects for them. And so again, it's a way of building a backlog of work experience for the firm or building your resume personally as somebody who's been able to contribute value and stretch the client's dollar by doing things smarter instead of harder. I guess one of the benefits would be it's probably a quicker buying cycle, right? That too. Absolutely. Because there's less red tape, because you don't have to go through the bidding war, it's working with the client, drilling down to what they specifically want, quoting that service. And you know, maybe you're educating them on, hey, maybe we can take this aspect out and add that in because that's going to help get you closer to solving this problem than the original approach. Because again, people hire consultants, they just hire design professionals because they themselves don't have the skills to make or the experience to make a super educated decision on one particular area. So they're hiring out that expertise. And again, you can get consultive with them rather than just responding to an RFP. Because of that, you can be much quicker to a sale. I mean, in direct purchase, I've gone up to look at a project and walked away with a purchase order <laughs> in the same day. That doesn't happen in a traditional bid process. As we're framing this out here, I'm seeing this is looking like there's a lot of potential benefits to civil engineers here for sure. So we've talked about this first item of who uses direct purchasing. Then we got into the benefits. And I think we're talking short-term benefits initially, like a quicker buying cycle. And then Brendan to talk about resume building, of course. But then we get into this third step or this third item of the opportunity, which I think you can also think of as long-term benefits. Brendan mentioned a little bit like social proof and resume building. I'm thinking that there's some longer-term benefits and opportunity by connecting with these clients, right, Brendan? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're out in the field and you're working with people, you learn way more than you do on a conference expo floor. These are deep conversations about work at hand, and you know, you're getting into the meat of stuff rather than the Reader's Digest version that you pick up in a networking situation. By working with people and going through the struggles of a project, you learn what contractors, what vendors, what consultants, what designers you can count on when things don't go as planned. And that's what people really appreciate. And that's what owners really need when they're talking about not just four-figure, five-figure contracts, but six-figure and, and you know, multi-million dollar projects. As I think about this myself, and I know if you're listening right now, in the beginning of the episode, when we started talking, you might be thinking like, well, you know, these are really small projects. They're talking about a couple thousand dollars. That's only the short-term view, the direct, the quick buying cycle, a couple of wins. But I think the longer-term view or the opportunity really is, like Brendan said, this proximity now to the client, you're learning, you're on the ground, and then the influence on the future and what happens with these clients in the future. And again, if we take the example that I used in the beginning, where a large residential development is, has a, a drainage issue, 
and they want to just call an engineer in, pay you directly to, to analyze it, maybe run an analysis and provide some kind of recommendation, then you're learning right there on how that development works. You're understanding a little bit about the way it was built. And then you're making a contact. And then if all of a sudden the developer wants to go and build another development, they can say, well, who did our drainage improvements on this site? Let's get that engineer in the mix, you know, and it can lead to things down the road. Absolutely. Your career and the success of your firm is a snowball. Each win that you help or that you have, each project success that you have leads to the next. Nobody comes out of the gate with the biggest DOD contract or the biggest Corps of Engineers contract or federal highway project straight out of college. It's little projects that lead to medium-sized projects that lead to large projects that lead to career-defining projects. That's the case whether you're a single engineer or you're a principal at a firm and you're trying to figure it. A lot of people, we're all thinking about, well, how do we find the next contact? How do we find the next lead? Well, there's a lot of money and work in plain sight. Your best marketing is good service. You're already dealing with people. Don't pass on that opportunity by over-focusing on the next deal or the next project and lacking in customer service. Responsiveness it goes a long way. Being coming through on your the commitments, the informal commitments that you make as to when you're going to have prospective numbers or a draft proposal or a draft report. You know, meeting those deadlines tell a story. They tell the tale of what hiring you to do the work is going to look like. And then when you actually execute that work and again, continue to follow through and meet informal commitments, it helps people come to not only know and like you, but trust you that you're going to do what you say you're going to do and you're not going to overpromise, and they're not going to hire you for X amount of dollars when the next guy was 50% cheaper and you're not going to fulfill the extra commitment that you said you were going to do. That's how you build momentum, not just in the civil engineering world and the construction industry, but I mean, throughout life. Not to get too woo-woo on you. <laughs> I think one way you can think about this too is, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you might be with a bigger firm, you bid on a lot of these bigger projects, and a lot of these things, you need to bid on a bunch of them before you land one. And I think doing it this way, you may get like these direct purchase projects may be small, but by getting a couple of them, it's going to lead you to one of those bigger projects anyway. And you're actually getting a little bit of income in the door. You're building relationships. It's just like another way to go about it. I mean, it's not like you're going to do one or the other. You can do both, but it's a good way, especially like Brendan said, if you're just starting a company, it's a great way to get some revenue in the door. I mean, when you start a company, your cash flow is obviously critical. If you're talking from a verbal commitment to actually getting inked paper, you know, you're talking at least 60, 90 days in a lot of situations. And then you're talking maybe another 90 days before you can actually get out there and do the work. And then a net 45 <laughs> before the prime gets paid and then you get paid or, you know, so it can even on a short, anything you can do to shorten the buying process and the process of getting payment is huge, especially for a new firm. I mean, there's a lot of firms who really sweat because they're waiting on payments. They've got millions of dollars in receivables, and on paper, they should be a really healthy company, but they're having a hard time buying paper clips. This is not only something that can be key to building the resume, adding social proof, but it's key to keeping your firm whole until you land those big deals. All right. So to kind of round out this segment here, Brendan, let's get into the fourth item, which is finding direct purchase opportunities. How do you go about doing that? What do you recommend? You got to go get dust on your boots, man. You got to go out and meet people. 
I love one of your recent episodes on the doer seller and talking about how cold calling is not dead. I do a lot of cold calling, both on the phone, both in email. If I'm having a hard time starting a conversation with somebody, and I've called them a couple of times, the, the gal at the front desk has, has shot me down. They're not in, and I figure they probably are, and they're just busy. And I've sent them a couple of emails. You know, I'll pop by their office the next time I'm on that part of town or the next time I'm in that city. Dropping a card and showing up and making it known that your story and your what you do is important enough and that they're important enough for you to be this persistent goes a long way in just opening that conversation. And the more you talk to people, the more you start to peel back the layers of the onion and find these opportunities. That's how you create your own luck is by being active and making it a regular part of your work. A lot of folks look at business development almost in cycles. When business is down, they're like, oh shoot, we should go out and meet some people. We should go spend some money and go to some conferences or advertising or get some PR in the next edition of that trade magazine that's specifically important to our industry. But really, it should be a habit and it should be a regular practice. That's how you fill a pipeline full of deals and pending contracts so that when the next project is done, you have another one to take its place and you and your colleagues continue to work. And just a couple of things I would recommend just to follow up on that is I know I usually tell our listeners to think big, but in this scenario, you may want to think smaller with respect to the types of networking events you're going, like get really niche, get really local, like local realtors, find people that are going to really be on the ground as opposed to the bigger, bigger conferences where a lot of these bigger companies will be on the big bidding contracts, right? So think about going a little bit against the grain there. And the other thing I would recommend too is just do like have consistent time on your calendar, whether it's like once a day in the morning or in the afternoon where you just do sales stuff, whether it's calls, reaching out to these local realtors or developers or whatever the case may be. Because what I find is, is that, and I'm sure Brendan can speak to this as well, is that in sales, like you just got to be consistent. Like you can't just make a phone call and you don't get a sale and you try someone else in a couple more days. You just got to keep pounding it like every day. Every day, every day, every day. And it's, you get, you know, that sounds intimidating, especially to folks who <laughs> made the mistake of thinking they were getting into engineering because they didn't like to write or speak in public. <laughs> no, they're not especially outgoing. But I mean, you're just having honest conversations with people. And by having those informal conversations, you start to grow a larger perspective on your industry and how the specific niche that your firm or that you specifically in your firm fit, fill in the marketplace how that complements or contradicts some of the work that these other people are doing. And so you can stop wasting your time on following up with people who are never going to send you work or are never going to refer you work and spend more time on the folks who will because you're starting to understand, again, how you fit into the marketplace and where you provide the most value and who's going to hire you first. If you're new to business development or your firm is new in that city, that locale, you want that low-hanging fruit. Build upon that low-hanging fruit and that incoming cash flow so that you can survive to chase the big deals, to chase the big projects. We're going to jump into our hot seat segment here in a minute, but I just want to kind of summarize up these four different items that we talked about with regards to direct purchasing opportunities. We talked about who uses direct purchasing, which is both the public and private clients, typically people that are closer to the work, whether it's maintenance people, manufacturers, reps, et cetera. Number two, we talked about the benefits of direct purchasing. You can maybe think of it as the short-term benefits, quick buying cycle. You get that access to people. You can get a deal done in a day if you needed to. So that's a big one. And then 
The third item we talked about is the opportunity or the longer term opportunity, which is you're building your resume, you're building up your social proof, you're getting close to these clients on the ground, you're learning how things work, and you're setting yourself up for future opportunities with these people that you're making relationships with. On the fourth item or the final item we just went through is kind of how to find the direct purchasing opportunities, which is really, there's no trick, there's no shortcut. It's really just doing the work, getting on the ground, networking in in these smaller organizations and following up with people on a consistent basis. So, all right, now what we're going to do is we're going to transition into our CE Hot segment seat where we're going to fire off a series of questions to Brendan that will focus on personal and professional development. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. If you're preparing for the civil PE exam, you probably know that the Civil Engineering Reference Manual by Michael Lindeberg is the book to use. Michael Lindeberg is actually the founder and president of PPI, the leader in FE and PE exam prep. PPI has new prep courses available for the civil PE exam that offer complete coverage of not only the morning breath exam, but also your choice of afternoon depth exams. The course presents over 60 hours of new content and walks you through tons of exam-like practice problems. When you enroll in the live online prep course, PPI also includes on-demand lectures for free so you can start studying while you wait for the course to begin. Through October 2017, PPI will be choosing two of our podcast listeners per month to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you enroll in this course. To enter the raffle, visit ppitopass.com forward slash civil prep. Again, that's www.ppi, the number two, pass forward slash civil prep. From there, you need to choose your course and check out. On the checkout page, enter the promo code PREP and then complete your enrollment. Again, you need to enter the promo code PREP before completing your enrollment to qualify for the gift card. You'll be notified on the first of the month if you won the $100 gift card. I used PPI for my PE exam prep, so I feel confident in recommending that you check out this prep course. Plus, you could win $100. Good luck. All right, Brendan, welcome to the CE Hot Seat. You ready to go? Yes, sir. Let's do this. All right. First question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being a successful professional? Consistently, every morning, I like to start my day walking to get my coffee, especially if I'm working from home. And that gives me an opportunity just to get the blood pumping and maybe pop in the headphones, listen to a quick podcast, get my imagination flowing. A lot of times I'm working from home these days, so it's great to unplug from home and almost have a commute that flips the switch that now it's time to work. Next question. What is one book that you recommend on a regular basis that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? Well, when we're talking sales and business development specifically, hands down, it's fanatical prospecting. The goal of prospecting and cold calling and cold emails and social selling is really just to start conversations, to open the door to establishing rapport, building credibility so that you can find an opportunity, qualify an opportunity, and then get permission to sell, permission to pitch your service. And fanatical prospecting is a great primer for folks who are struggling either with the mindset of that or just the the practical nuance of how do I get in front of the right people. 
All right, I've never heard of that one. So that's fanatical prospecting. I'm looking at it here. The ultimate guide for starting sales conversations and filling the pipeline by leveraging social selling, telephone, email, and cold calling. Awesome. All right, thanks for that one. All right, so let's go here. One final question, and what we call this is the critical civil engineering career elevator advice question, meaning that if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give him or her some career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Don't overlook making opportunity on your calendar to network. I don't come from an engineering background. I grew up the son of a union carpenter outside of Chicago. So there was a little bit of construction experience, construction background, but certainly not engineering. And I'm still not an engineer. I start conversations and basically I put people in the right room to hash out projects. But the only way that I'm able to do that and do that consistently and efficiently is through networking. You can only learn so much from podcasts and reading books. There's another layer to it, and it's actually having live conversations with people in which you can ask questions in real time and get feedback and perspective that you weren't expecting. You wouldn't know to go looking for in a book, on a podcast, in a YouTube video. So make it part of your regular schedule. Have lunch with somebody, call them on the phone, send them an email if you haven't talked to them in a while. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can our listeners find you? So everybody can find my contact information at brendanbarrett.com. And then I write on professional development and sales, marketing, business development, best practices at startinphoenix.com, which is start in, and then Phoenix is abbreviated phx.com. All right, awesome. And remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 59. You will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.